Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Visual with Mark Hansen, the podcast where I interview all those people responsible for the images and videos you see out in your world every single day. I am your host, advertising and lifestyle photographer, Mark Hansen. And today, my guest is Pete Favat. And Pete is the creative chairman at Deutsch LA. So um, Pete and I talk about all kinds of stuff. We talk about what it was like to be a creative director in the 80s compared to being one now. He tells us about some of the people, the creative directors he worked with back then. Uh, we also talk about his house that he built in Massachusetts when he was working and living in Boston and how it was featured on this old house and led to a certain window company making an entirely new line of designer windows just because of him. So you'll definitely want to hear that story as well. We also talk about some other things like how he got started in the business, um, what led him into the direction to end up at an advertising agency, uh, how that all played out with school and everything, and um, his thoughts on TikTok and what people are doing on that right now. So check this one out. It's a really cool one. Lots of um, interesting conversation all over the place. So enjoy and let me know what you think. Every day I put electrical tape up here. I need to call 3M and tell them, can you just make me a goddamn influencer? Because <laughs> <laughs> I could... Could I? Because I do a lot of electrical work, I could sure use more electrical tape. Well, absolutely. Yeah, I noticed that. I'm impressed that you're keeping it up. Well, it's like Tom Hanks and Castaway. I'll go insane That's if good. I start marking the days. Because they really do. They just blur. You know, this. There's no more boundaries. So yeah, we're. You know what's amazing though, dude? We're closing in. We're at day three. Three thirty-three. So 3.33 in a month, we're going to be at a full year. Yeah, it's, um, it's ridiculous. At My last day of shooting last year before I took like a four-month break was March 13th. That's and, when we closed. Yeah. That's when this started. Yeah, it's ridiculous. No, I, I thought mean, it was going to be a two-week, month-long deal. Yeah. That's what everybody thought. And we're, we have these – you know what's uh, – anyway, I, I could talk. It's actually been a good thing and a bad thing. I mean – um, we, from, from our perspective, it's funny because we've actually been more productive this year than we ever have been. And we actually have been more successful winning business than we ever have been. And then I talked to other people in other ad agencies. It's like, dude, we're dying over here. And, and it's an interesting. Are you guys doing more pharmaceuticals and that kind of thing? No, no. Wal mostly retail, PetSmart, Lowe's, really? Walmart. Okay. We're winning big pieces of business, and and it's like, in a lot of ways, I feel like it it got down to the chemistry of the people, because when you break us apart physically, and and all of us out in the LA office, we get along so well. Everyone like really like knows each other well and likes each other, and it and it helped communicate that through Zoom, where in in some other cultures, it may not have been the case, and they're like have no idea what they're doing. Um, and they're not working together, you know? I can see that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think having a team that likes each other definitely, I would think, come, would come across more over Zoom. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah. For yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I have clients now that I've been working intensely with that I've never physically met. Yeah, that's crazy. Done big national uh, film shoots with directors I've never physically met. That's a trip. It's really like it really blows your. Oh mind. yeah, absolutely. Because, because if you would have said, "Hey, you're going to have to respond this way, and you're going to have to work from your house, and no one can go to the office," and it's like, "Well, just throw away the keys. This company's toast. We're done." <laughs> yeah. Because we can't. We wouldn't be able to do it. But anyway, well, you guys are obviously doing something right then. I, you know? And yeah, and I don't exactly know what it is, but we're just going to keep doing it. It's a team, right? It's all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I oh, get hey, it. It's so, like I tell so, anybody when I'm shooting anything, it's not all me. I mean, because if the rest of it sucks, not. it's going to make me look bad. And if of I course. suck, it's going to make everybody else look bad. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, thanks, so, man. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this. No problem. I've loved watching your Instagram and seeing your trips and all the stuff <laughs> you put up there. And well, the, those don't happen anymore, sadly. Yeah, no kidding. But, 
but um, we did have Thanksgiving. We did uh, we did uh, go camping for the week of Thanksgiving, which is great. I fried a turkey out in the redwoods. Yeah, I saw that. Um, that was a trip. And it was uh, yeah, but it's that, that's the that's the real the part that's really bumming me out is travel and also you know just hanging out with people. But you know it'll come back. We'll get there again. It's yeah, I'm ready for it too, man. Everyone's got to be patient. Yeah. Yeah, my daughter's about to lose her mind. She's in a sorority and she's been hanging out with her cousin. And then she went to this bonfire and then the sorority found out all these girls were going to these bonfires and parties. And they're like, all right, done. No, you can't hang out with any fraternities. You can't you know, go to any yeah. parties. And she's like, oh, this sucks. I'm like, well, you know what? I think it's got to be the toughest on young people, um, especially college age, because that's what it's all about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all about like you know, dating a lot, a lot of people, like meeting a lot of people, building friendships. And it's got to be extremely hard on college kids. Oh, I it's can't even be. imagine being just and parents with everything. little kids, you know, who have to work and then their little kids are running around, and, you know? Yeah. So well, that's my favorite part is that when you see somebody like a weather person or somebody sitting at their desk and then the kid just comes flying up into the shot. Oh yeah. <laughs> it happens that. all the time. <laughs> yeah. Those are great. It's fun because it's like, in a way it's good because it gets rid of the, the, like the veneer of the professionalism and like how you, you know, the business acumen when one of your clients has your little kid jump in their lap. Yeah. Like, they're human. Everybody's human. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. It, I do too. I like it. It's a little bit more of a, when we're on these things yeah yeah i agree what's that microphone you got there it looks pretty awesome it's the um blue snowball that's what it's called so yeah it's not really blue and it's not white like a snowball but <laughs> we're, we're actually buying um we're actually buying uh, a lot of microphones and getting them out to all of our people who typically do our voiceovers and also our, our videos that go to clients. Oh yeah. Because you know, we're doing a lot more where we're using our own people for these things. So we need to get the better equipment because the mics and these computers just aren't good. So. Yeah. I was going to say, what kind of, do you, have you started buying the mics? Yeah. Uh, Eric Kaufman just did. He's uh, one of my direct, he's the creative director at Steelhead. Um, so they're all getting shipped right now. We're shipping them all over the country to people. And um, also down at even Brazil, where some of our people are, just so when we need to when we need to rush and do a video to show what we're talking about to a client, like a prototype yeah. or a case study video, you know, we've been having people go in their closets, you know, with iPhones. Oh yeah, and the recordings aren't that good. No. So so we we're like, let's just buy these mics. They're not that expensive. What kind of mics did you get? Do you know? I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I leave that stuff up to the people who know. Something. I did a search or something, um, and all of a sudden, I started getting ads for Sure microphones. Oh yeah, nonstop, man. It was like a Sure, Sure, Sure. Every time I flipped my phone open, there was an ad. Well, I noticed a big difference just you coming through here um, with that microphone. Yeah, one of my actually, one of my clients who's become a good friend. He suggested I do this whole podcast thing. And he's the one who suggested the mic. And literally, so I went and bought the mic. He's the, my first guest on the podcast. He had suggested it about three weeks earlier. By the time we're doing it, he's already got a different mic. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell? And he, yeah. He's like, oh, this one's better than that one. I was like, well, you could have told me before I ordered this one. Are they, how, are they expensive? No, it's like I I think the ones we... 60, 70 bucks or something. Yeah, I think the ones that we bought for everybody were like a hundred bucks or something like that. Yeah, they, they have were, another one that's shaped more like a real mic. You know, it's got that yeah. like the late night guys use kind of a thing. And yeah, it's better. There's, there's those other mics I've been noticing people use with the, the two little microphones are crisscrossed and there's a box. Oh yeah, I've got it's um a zoom. I forget what they call them, but they're cool as shit. Yeah, I've got one. It's like a zoom microphone, like a little handheld zoom yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, I've used that before. I use that a lot on shoots. If I'm doing any gotta, kind of like interviews, video shoots, that kind of thing, I'll use it. I've got to up my um, I got to up my uh, my microphone game because your I'm work, device I'm is working with this. Okay, <laughs> I like that. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. Uh, no, this is terrible. 
<laughs> but it looks cool. I bought it for our, um, we had this great, um, our end of the year party, because we always have a big, huge party and we couldn't this year. So we had, uh, we had, it was, I was calling it a masquerade ball, M-A-S-K. And um, everyone had to get dressed up and we had to change, everyone had to change your name to something else. So we had a Zoom with like two, 300 people where no one knew who anyone was. And it was really weird. And then we had a contest of, um, we had picked pick three people and they had a yes and a no. And the agency through chat would ask you, are you in the creative department? No. Are you in the account group? Yes. Wow. And then we had to guess who it was. And then we were giving away gift cards of it. It was actually so weird and so fun. Yeah, it sounds great. Because no one knew who anybody was. So how'd you see 200 people? I hope everybody's, especially on their laptop, that had to be tough. Yeah, and then, you know, there's just page after page. Because we have, uh, I think every month we have a town hall where we have all the employees. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and we have a game for that too. It's like, um, can someone, who can guess the number of attendees? And you watch the attendees going up and everyone's chatting in their number. So we, we're kind of always like making games out of stuff. Just keep it playful. At least you're making it fun. Well, you not got boring. it, right? You got to. It's not, yeah. it's, isn't that why we, we, we got into this business? We're supposed to be batshit crazy. You know, That's it's the like, best way to be. Yeah. It's, it, it, if, it, if it's serious, who the hell wants that? <laughs> no, that's what I was telling. I was talking to some, oh, I was talking to my brother and he's an architect. And we were talking about how our lives have gone. Well, there you have to be serious, right? Yeah, he, but he's 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 a little off the deep end occasionally himself. But he, we were talking about how our lives are have gone, and I'm like, yeah, I live in a neighborhood with nothing but lawyers and bankers. Yeah, I, I have nothing in common with any of them. But I wouldn't right. change anything because the last thing I would ever want to do is go s put on a suit and tie and sit in a cubicle all damn day long and right. do what they do. I would mm -hmm. hate it. So yeah, this yeah. is a much better job. Yeah, it's um, I mean, man, architect, architect, I think could be is such a cool job. It's like I just like I was terrible in math. I, was, I wouldn't be able to do it. But designing permanence like that, like that's what architecture is to me. It's like I design shit all the time. Every day we're designing stuff, but it just it comes and then it goes. But like architecture is like, yeah, that stays there for quite a while. Yeah, it's going to be it's there. Like permanent art. Didn't you? Do, okay, but I did Google you and there's something you and I, this old house, I guess when you were living back in Massachusetts, oh, yeah. did you design yeah, that yeah. house? Yeah, I did. But, um, and I took it. Um, it's funny because, uh, let's see, we wanted to, we wanted to um, rebuild our house. And we love the land. So I did some designs and I actually did. It's funny being in this business. Like I did, it, it took, I think it probably took me my whole life to design the house. Cause along the way, I've always collected like dream house, uh, uh, aesthetic dream house designs. Like, and I, and Amy and I both love timber, timber frame and barn style. So we were going to design this house. So I literally made a hundred page director treatment. Um, um visuals and writing and just like you would make a treatment for like a tv spot right so made this director's treatment for the house and it was with all my sketches and like here's the floor in mount vernon george washington's house it's a it's a crisscross brick uh formation that i love and i would just incorporate here's what the here's what the windows should look like here's the doors here's the granite sills i want from old new bedford factories and what was funny was somehow that thing got circulated around a bunch of builders, timber framers, and then it landed on, um, on one of the producer's desks at this old house. And they called us and they said, hey, we just saw your uh, treatment. It got handed to us and uh, we'd like you to be uh, on this old house. And it was funny because um, I love that show. And our immediate response was, yeah, no, we don't think so. Thanks. <laughs> and they, and they, um, they were like, well, wait a minute. We've got 4,000 people on our waiting list and we're putting you right to the top. Um, why wouldn't you do it? And, and, I, and they said, we just don't, I'm in advertising. I spend my, I spend my whole career designing and building things I really like. 
And then I'm told, yeah, can you do that? Change this, or can you change that? Or that's not exactly how we want to do it. Mm-hmm. So, and that's okay because that's our business. But I want to design and make this thing with no one telling me what I can and can't do because it's ours, right? right? I'm the client and the and the creative, and I want to have something that's just pure. And I know how your show works. I'm in advertising. It's like. You got to put, you got to use Corian countertops because they're an underwriter, or you got to use so and so fixtures, Kohler fixtures because they're giving us money. And I'm not interested in that. Like, I've got, and, and they're like, they said, we're going to come out. Are you available tomorrow? Because I want to send Tom Silva and Norm uh, and, and the whole crew out to your house with our producers. They all showed up the next day and we we're in this shitty little house that we had bought. And, um, and, and they're like, just, we want to, we really want this project because we've never built a new house. We love what you're doing. It's all, it's also lead certified because I want lead certification. You know, I want it to be sustainable. Um, and there's a great story in here. And um, I just said, well, you know, you're going to tell me like what I need to do. And they said, look, we'll waive all of that for you. We'll waive all of that for you. Um, it, with one exception that uh, Anderson Windows underwrites the majority of the show, so their products need to be featured. And I was just like, see, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) I've got a father-son team in Canada that I found and researched who hand make windows, and I want them to do it. And they said, well, all right, let us go back to Anderson and see what they say. Anderson comes back and says, we're going to make a unique line of windows like for your house and it'll be a designer series and you'll be on the cover of Anderson window catalog and we'll promote your house. I'm like, all right, all right, <laughs> let's do it. And then we were doing it. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's negotiating right there. That's amazing. Well, I, I, it's funny because I always say to our own company, it's like, no is powerful, man. Yeah. It's uh, as opposed to sure. Sure. We'll do it. It's like sometimes, no works best. That's where I learned that. That may, yeah. And it was an amazing experience, man. I want I would do it all over again. I thought I found it to be one of the most fulfilling um, experiences ever. It was like hundred pieces and building that house were are the two things that turned me on the best. Yeah, I've always wanted to build my own house, but I just haven't done it because the main reason, and this is the dumbest reason ever to want to build your own house, but I want to make a big closet that I can roll my Christmas tree into and then roll it back out of. So do I don't it. have to take it down and put it up and all that kind of stuff. We had, um, uh, do it. You know what, you know, what's funny. What I learned is, um, and everyone says like, well, you know, did you get any deals? Did you get any breaks? It was like, no, we got no deals and no breaks. Everyone thinks that you're getting your house built for free. Oh yeah. No, no, you're paying, you're, you're paying for the whole thing. You're just on television, which is kind of fun, but, and you're also getting the most beneficial thing about being on that show is the house needed to be done on time because the show, the season needed to air needed to air. Oh yeah. So typically when you build a house, the framers will come in or the foundation people will come in and then the framers will come in, but then the electricians won't come in until all the plywood is up and everything. And they don't want to be on site at the same time. Yeah. Because I don't want those fucking framers getting in my way. <laughs> freaking electricians are like, are make slowing us down. So the beauty of this was like, it was all working together and it had to be done and it had to be quality too. Cause Tom Silva is the best. And it needed, it was, it had a deadline. Most homeowners said the biggest pain point is we went a year over, over project. And yeah, I could see that budget, you know? Yeah. My dad built a house in the mountains and 10 years Mm -hmm. to build that house. It took forever. It's like Disney, man. It's never done. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But they could move in though, right? They could have moved. They they were able to move in. They They could, it was like nine years before they even had it to they were built okay. Part of it's my dad. Yeah. Because he doesn't push hard enough because he's afraid mm-hmm. that they're building in the mountains where there's not just this huge pool of people that would come up and build it. Sure. So he's afraid that if he pushes too hard, the guys, his contractor just say, screw it and leave. Yeah. So he's would just kind of let them do it at their own pace. 
and they literally would do it at their own pace. They would come in, some guys would come in and hit part of it and hit it hard for about a week or two. And then like, Oh, the weather's bad. And then you wouldn't yeah. see him for a month. Oh, Jesus. Kind of a thing. And oh, I don't know geez. how I did it. Cause I'd have lost my mind. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to deal with that. Like I was on site every day pushing it. And it's, yeah. it's kind of funny because I knew the director because I'd worked with him on a job back in Boston and, and, um, you watch if you if you ever do watch the series. I get less and less and less through the series because I'm like, um, that's like, can we move the camera? This shot sucks, man. Like, why are we doing it this way? I think we should be playing it this way. And then, can I see rough cuts of the show? And the, you, you could see it's like the call sheets. Yeah. As they would come in, it'd be like, yeah, we don't need you today, Pete. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I used to joke around with them all the time. It's like, I don't want to be a pain in the ass. I just want to help you guys make a good show, you know? Like the yeah. music. Come on, man. The music. It's like a fucking oboe. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what you should You should have worked out a deal where they would build your house for free, but you would creative direct and change the, and redo the whole thing for them, rebrand them to where they were going to be even you better know, than they were. It's, I, know what they, I know what those episodes cost. And it would have to be a labor of love because this, those shows get done, get done for no money. And, and it's like, nobody's getting paid, but I, but I think it would be one of the most fun jobs. Like, like just shooting the process of people building or rebuilding homes. It's either that or like Anthony Bourdain, I think, and now Stanley Tucci's on CNN. Yeah. I'm going to go through Italy and taste all the food. It's like, well, wait a minute. That's like the best job in the world. Oh, yeah. That's what I've always thought. That would be a great job. You just travel the world and you eat great food. Stay at Airbnbs and resorts and eat yeah. food. It's like, yeah, we're going to Curacao. It's like, okay, let's go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tomorrow's Ethiopia. Let's go. Airbnb. I think that's why my daughter wants to... She's actually in college to be, um, she's got communications and criminal justice is what her double, she's double majoring in right now. But she talked to a friend of mine who's a producer. That's pretty funny because communications sometimes is criminal. So it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so she's actually, that is true. She's actually gearing up for the future because like, it's funny, like communications and criminal law and criminal justice that's actually an interesting because look at that's where the internet is heading. It's like communications and, and like, I've always, I told my young nephew, what do you think I should do? And, and I said, internet law, it's a wild West, man. Oh yeah. Um, and there's going to, you're seeing what's happening. It's like, it's going to have to get regulated eventually because yeah. it's, it's social media is going is creating a lot of this attention and unrest in the country. Yeah. And so it's like those, the two combinations are pretty funny. So she, yeah, she's into it. And um, I think she really wants to be a producer because she just wants to travel and get paid to travel. So yeah. She's when we do, if we are traveling again, yes. yeah. When yeah. she gets to do that. That's exactly my wife was, Amy was my producer for years. And that's exactly the reason she was a receptionist at a college. And she said there was this really cool woman who was, always dressed really funky and she was always running to a plane in this advertising agency I worked in. And I was like, I want to be her. And she was a producer and she was just always moving, always shaking and yeah. Doing stuff. Yeah. So I, th I think it'd be good for her. Cause she's, she, my dad always called her the directress when she was little, cause she would try to make everybody do like put her by and tell them what to do. There you and, go. There so, you go. <laughs> great job. We, we all need we all need that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I always say it's like I married a producer on purpose, man. I fell in love, but the fact that she was a producer, we all need a producer in our life. Yeah, it's good to have. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, my oh, wife used to do that with me, and then she moved up in her company to the point where she doesn't do any of it anymore. <laughs> She's become too expensive. Yeah, yeah, I can't afford her anymore. Now she just comes in and looks at what I'm doing on the computer, and she goes, "Are you retouching?" And I'm like, "Yeah." She goes, "You missed that right there." And what about this over here? <laughs> she goes, and that's distracting as hell right there. You need to take that yeah, out. That's pretty funny. That's objectivity, right? Oh it's yeah, like, it's good. I think that's a big part of our business. You know, I mean, it's funny because 
I came into this business where the creative directors were the overlords of everything. And it's like that person had everything in their head and they were not nice. Uh, they would exclude all other groups and departments in the, in the company. This is in the, the mid eighties when I started. And it's, it, it was just like, man, they're tyrants and they're mean and they're drunk most of the time. And it's like, this is not, I don't know if I could do that. And I think that it's really changed. And I tell a lot of young people that what I saw in the beginning of my career in this business and what we see today is radically different. And I use that because as, as I went, as I went through and I started managing and leading and like running a, a fucking ad agency, I was like 29. I don't think we knew what we were really oh, wow. doing. Thank God we had some older people that were managing the money and everything, but was it your it, agency? Uh, Houston Herstech for It was, oh, it was, uh, and then Arnold. 29? Yeah, I was 29. I was a CCO with Rich Herstech. Wow. Um, and yeah, and we were we were on fire. We grew to about 250 people, and then Arnold bought us. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it was good, and we had a good run. We had Converse. We had like anti-smoking uh, in Massachusetts. We were actually a really good agency, and and I think I, I think I learned from all those predecessors that um, the if you if you like one one of my bosses. He saw somebody on the creative floor and um, and he said, uh, are you in the creative department? It was this woman. She said, no, I'm in media. He goes, well, get the fuck off of our floor. Really? And, and I turned to him and I said, why do you do that? Why? Like, cause, because we're here working until three o'clock in the morning. Don't you think we should be asking these people to help us? Like they get to go home and we're fucking here working. I don't like your plan. I don't <laughs> like this at all. Like I want to work with other people. And, and it just wasn't the way. And, and nowadays I feel like, and the thing I love is like getting on, you know, design and tech and all of us and figuring it all out together. You know, I always say ideas come from everywhere. And if you work for our company, even if you're in finance, you've got to be bringing ideas, ideas for our clients in here every day. It doesn't matter. We're creative people. It's like, there's no, there should be no creative department. The company should be creative. Even if you're in finance, which how many is like, ideas you get from finance? What? How many ideas you get from the finance people? Uh, you know, not not too many, but you know, <laughs> well, I don't know because they may be thinking of something in their department of the way they're doing things. You yeah, know, that's true. I just want I, I I've seen it to be true that like when your wife says comes in and says that really bugs me. We're not we're not making fine art like. This right. isn't like Mark's painting Yeah, where you have, it's, it's like the house. I wanted total control of that house. What we do for a living is totally subjective. Mm -hmm. And it's, we make commercial art. We, so it's all up for review and criticism. So why don't we invite that criticism in to the process? We don't have to listen to it all the time. I always tell people just because you have an idea doesn't mean it's going to be a good idea right but i want to hear them because i think it's i think more times than none um i've seen people say things on like a junior account level who will say something i'd be like you're absolutely right let's change this whole thing let's go that way and i feel yeah. like a, as a creative director is my job it's my job to listen for those things and have an intuition that that actually is better that's actually right that's the way we should go that's well, good to hear that. I mean, I'm the same way on set. I always tell everybody, my assistants, hair, makeup, stylists, whatever. It's like, if you see something, think it'll be cool. That's a better angle, better location, better whatever. Tell me, you know, and then it may, I agree, <coughs> I think, and eh, not so much, but then it could be, it turns out great. Yeah. You know, I tell my assistants, I'm like, don't go blabbing it to the client. Just go, hey, let's no, go over no. here. Because it could be that I can't shoot it for some reason or whatever. Yeah, it is. No, but come tell me. I'm happy to hear it and yeah. try it out. And the same yeah, thing with the I, client. I'm like, please tell me. If you see something that you want to change, let me know. And we will shoot it that way. And then I'll, if I've got a different way I want to shoot it and we have time, I'll shoot it my way as well. But yeah, I think it's they, good to have they, all these people. Like, they, and you know what? They just like working for you more. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a good 
bunch of people. Yeah. They feel like they're part of something, right? Isn't that what we all want? Like from a base level of humanity, they just want to be part of something. And you know, it's, it's kind of funny because is this what the podcast is all about? We're just, we're yeah, just, just yeah, just random oh, sure. talking oh, about cool. it. Yeah. I mean, I literally have two questions. Like at some point I want to know how you got started and at the end, I want to know what's the strangest thing that's happened to you. And then other than that, we just talk about whatever. All right, cool. Yeah. No, because I, I, let me, I'll relate a story to that. Like I remember it was back at, back at Houston. Um, we, uh, we, <laughs> there's a lot of funny stories back then. We were so young. And so like, we had no idea what we were doing, but we were doing something good. So we were pitching this bank. And we had this conference room. It was really cool. Uh, Frank Geary ended up designing the exterior of this building. Um, and I, I don't know how familiar you are. You where? Where do you live? I live in Charlotte. In Charlotte. Oh, I, I love. I shoot that. in L.A. I shoot in New York. Yeah, yeah. But I live. All my cousins are down in Valdez. North oh Carolina. yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to. Yeah, school yeah all my all my cousins live there. I went to school yeah. up in Boone. Uh huh. So it's not too far from there. So we had this. Um, we were pitching this bank. And everyone's, you know, pitches, everyone's tense. We've got like four or five ideas and I'm taking the group. There's probably about 30 people in our conference room. And I'm taking the group through uh, all the ideas and we're debating like we, we always do. It's like, what's the right way to go? Is that one? Let's just drop that one. Let's pour some gasoline on this one. And everyone's debating and we're not getting to any consensus. And I'm trying to figure out like, let's drop two of these. I want three to bring in. And I look up and there's this young person in the room who I'd never seen before. I've never, and it's funny because he had red hair and freckles and he looked, he looked like uh, Richie Cunningham. He looked like an all American kid, right? And I said, who are you? And he goes, I'm Mike, I'm a, I just started as a account person. I said, Mike, what do you think? He goes, well, and everyone looked at like- Oh, I'm sure. Right? It's like, do you tell me, Mike? And Mike said, to be honest with you, that number three idea is my favorite. And I also like number four and number one. And I'm like, okay, well, that's it. Settled. We're going with those. Let's wrap this up. Let's tighten up this stuff and let's go. And everyone's like, what? So, and so I, I completely forgot that. Years later, uh, Mike is now the client at monster.com. Really? And we're, and we're pitching. And it was against, I don't know, BBDO and a bunch of other people. Years later, and Mike grew pretty fast. And um, at the end, we won, and we went out and had a beer. And he said, "You know, you know, not only did you guys show great work, but you want to know the real reason why you won." And he told me that story. And I said, "Dude, I don't even remember it. I don't even remember doing that." He said, wow. "You like made me right away feel part of this company, and like I had a say in." That's and that had such an effect on me and my confidence, the way it made me feel. I'm sure. I was like, dude, I, again, I, I, I'll take, I'll take, I, I trust you, but I honestly don't remember saying that at all. Well, I think that says a lot about you as a person. <laughs> I think it says that yeah. you are that kind of person to reach out to people and, you know, get the opinions and include people. You're not just saying it. You're not just some guy who, oh, I did this. And normally you're an ass. But you did this, so you were you would have remembered it because you would have gone outside of being an asshole. And but obviously, you're just that kind of a guy. I yeah, I think it's mostly not to be noble. I think it's just because I don't fucking know. It's like, <laughs> hey, you know, you know I, I I there's just a lot of times where I just don't know, but I have to listen to other people's guts and other people's instincts, and and see if that if that it it is like um. It's like a, it's being able to tap into that and really going back and trusting your gut and not only saying my gut's right, so this is the way to go, but to gauge the room and gauge things that are happening in real time, because that chemistry or whatever those things that are happening, I can't even describe it, are the things that you can't possibly plan for or know about or any of that. It's that exposure to whether it's an image or an idea that that moment when people are exposed to it, that reaction yeah. is like, that's what we're looking for, right? We're looking to spark people. And it's like, so we should always be like mining for those sparks. Well, I think that's what makes you a good leader is you can do that because a lot don't. I mean, it's like Henry Ford, was it Henry Ford said, 
I don't remember exactly what the quote was, but it was something to the effect of if I don't, I may not, I don't know how to do everything, but I hire people who do. That's right. You know, and then oh, yeah. I oversee it. Yeah. Hire, hire good people and get out of their way. Yeah. You know, um, being I'll do that with assistants sometimes. What's that? I'll do that with assistants. If it's a shoot that I've got and I'm like, pretty sure I know how to do it, but I know this guy over here, I've mm -hmm. seen how he lights whatever, and this is exactly what I need. I'll hire that dude and like, hey, listen, here's what I want, go do it. And then I'll just- Oh yeah, hire, hire good people, get out of their way. And like, and, and really, you know what? Of course, like, I guess Steve Jobs could be considered like, but he had was. Like he yeah. took credit for everything Steve Jobs did. And I think that Mike, like Michelangelo apparently wasn't a very nice person, didn't have a whole lot of friends. Of course, there are people like that who probably are like so focused, like Elon Musk. Of course, he's not designing the rockets and he hires the people that can, but the guy is such a visionary. Yeah. And I don't know how nice they are to the people that work for them, but it's like, I know I'm not fucking Da Vinci and I know I'm not Steve Jobs. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of, um, it, I think there are people who can say, this is what I, you're going to do this. And if you don't do it my way, then get the hell out of here. Yeah. So, you know, but and supposedly what you're saying, I guess what you're saying about the creative directors in the like 80s and 90s is right. Cause I was just talking to somebody else the other day who's a creative director now. And she said her first job, the creative director would go and have like a three martini lunch come oh, back yeah. they put the the work up on the wall for whatever project they're working on and she said that creative director would be half lit and just be like what the hell is this why'd you add this shit here this is horrible and she said it would just destroy everybody on the whole oh, thing i mean yeah i i don't want to get into name and names but like i had one creative director is just such a son of a bitch and drunk all the time and like would say to my partner it's like yeah i know like in the afternoon it would all come out i know you're a homosexual why don't you just and the guy wasn't gay it's like i know you are why don't you just tell everybody you are and get it over so like, can we just focus on the work it's like can we just talk about the work in those years and i was working in new york uh if you didn't and this is back to um when i was actually typesetting because it was doing a lot of print so we had to get your, your spec out, all your, all, all your work needed to be spec'd out and get into the font uh, producer. His name was uh, Egon Merker. Um, and Egon was a great guy, but, and you literally, like, it was painstaking. Pica rulers and kerning. Oh, wow. You get all your numbers and the fonts in and the point sizes and, you know, it would go out to the font house. But if you didn't get to e Egon before one o'clock, uh, in the afternoon, your type was getting fucked up because <laughs> it was like not coming back the right way. And, you know, that was just the times people spent a lot of time drinking. And, and, um, so with that, that just made me stay at work until like 2 AM because I needed to get all that work done because I needed to get in line with the art directors to get in to see Egon. Cause there was one guy, there would be a lineup of art directors outside of his office. Damn. Because we all knew if you didn't get to people, uh, yeah, it was. You had it to get everybody nasty. before lunch before they went it to the trash. Nasty. It was so nasty. Um, it's so different, and a lot of um, a lot of a lot of people just don't realize how much it's changed, and all the changes are for the better. I mean, look how much more control I would assume you have as a photographer versus I used to hire a photographer. Uh, they would deliver me the dye transfers, the big dye transfers, right? Would oh, come yeah. like a few weeks later. And I'm shooting a bulldog for carnation. It's like, and as dye transfers would come in, all the range of color. And then I would have to circle it because Spano Racanova was the retouchers. Then they would come up. Uh, they'd want to take you out drinking. I was like, I just, here's the... <laughs> Everybody, I don't drink that much, so it's like everybody's just fucking drinking, man. Yeah. And 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 uh, like I think about photographers, friends of mine are photographers. You're taking the shots, and you're also now in charge of all the retouching too. Yeah, so you're manipulating it all. And dude, I look at I've, I'm following. I'm I don't post on TikTok, but I'm looking at a lot of the makers on TikTok. 
there's some really talented people, young people out there that are doing some wild shit with cameras oh, yeah. and, 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 and motion graphics and um, like really wild shit. And I think, God, like we didn't have that because I, I had to hand it off to people that would do that. Um, yeah, that you know, is probably my favorite thing about digital is I have control of that image and I don't have to take it to the lab and I don't have to say, push it, pull it, burn this, redo it, please. The colors way the hell off or whatever yeah. it is. So I'm not constantly looking at a print, having to send it back to be reprinted. I can just do it all on my computer now. And it's a so lot are you shooting, nicer. Do you shoot raw? Do you shoot mostly raw? Oh, yeah, always. Yeah. So you shoot raw. So it's funny because Ron Howard's got this great quote. And this is one of the biggest problems in advertising. It's like in the same thing with photography. Um, the shoot, the shooting of a film is you capturing the story the best you can. And you do that in a manner where you feel like, okay, I've got this story covered. But, the, but young filmmakers, give yourself a huge amount of time and edit to play with it because that's where the magic really happens. It doesn't oh, yeah. happen on the shoot. It happens when you edit. And it's funny because in advertising, it's like we do all of this, all this upfront thinking, all of this creative development. Then we go out and shoot and we need to see a rough cut in a week. It's like mm -hmm. I, we have like 100, uh, we have 140 hours of footage here. I'd like to go through it and spend the time and actually like a month, to be honest with you, to edit because yeah. it'll be so much better. But no one seems to understand that. Somebody else time is so important. Nathan Monteith, I think it was the guy I was talking to, creative director, and he was talking about a shoot they did for some car company. I can't remember who it was, but he said they were editing on set. So they were shooting and editing. Oh, while yeah. They were shooting. Yeah. Which yeah. to me just seems a little ridiculous. Well, you know, the only, it's funny because, yeah, I've, I've done jobs like that where we're still, not on set, but we just did a giant job for Walmart Plus, with, uh, the Mercadantes, Daniel and Katina. And I think we made like 50, 35 uh, video, videos and for TV and online and stuff. But we were shooting in a sequential order and giving the editors. So the editors were right behind the filmmakers, which is really another great thing about digital because you don't have to process the film anymore. It goes right from the memory, it goes right from the camera right into the drive and we start editing like right away. And man, that process has sped things up. I mean, computers and all this digital stuff has helped us tremendously. It's also hurt us a bit too, because now the expectation is, well, you, you've already got like go, yeah. you know? But I think it's, um, I think that's the one thing that we should probably, I try to push on all the time is that in the back end of how we, you know, how we, how we make this stuff. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually more fascinated about the film techniques that young people are finding out how to make like motion techniques, because it's like it, some of them are going back to the, like TikTok. Yeah. You know, jump up and change your clothes. It's like, right. we all know how it does it, but there's some people that are really, it's like really interesting, like Chaplin type stuff. Like Chaplin was really pushing the boundaries and the way he was doing oh, yeah. stunts, like film backwards because the he walks and a giant blade just misses him. And then I was like, how did he time that out? Well, he shot it backwards. So the hatchet went up and he walked backwards. I was like, that was really progressive Genius. Yeah, back in the day. It's knowing your tools and knowing how to manipulate those tools to do something like that people haven't seen before. Yeah, I think that's, that's why it's so exciting about TikTok. I think it's a great time, especially if you're younger and, oh, and creative. It's amazing. Although mm. at the same time, I'm glad they didn't have all this stuff when I was growing up because I didn't want everything I did when I was in my late teens and 20s being broadcast for the entire world. <laughs> 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 that's so true it's kind of funny yeah so there's some of those things where I'm like yeah thank god nobody was you know had their phone out shooting that yeah you know, yeah Instagram. yeah that's for sure oh yeah are you kidding oh my god yeah <laughs> um, yeah it's but even 
Well, what's funny, we just did this job on Hulu with uh, the deep fake where um, with deep fake tech. And it's so interesting because it's got to be official now that photos and video cannot be admissible evidence anymore. Because like, oh, I, yeah, it's someone crazy. could put you with deep fake. Someone could put you at a murder scene like that. Yeah. All they need is a bunch of different angles of your face. And like right now, you could be recording me and use what you've got as a deep fake and put me at a crime scene. Like it's, it, it's got, I, I haven't heard anything yet, but I don't know how video and, and, and photos can be admissible evidence. Anymore. I would think, cause I'm sure it's going to happen. So probably a good job on top of the internet law would be to be somebody who does like the forensic forensics video and for videos and stills. Yeah. You know, so you can go in there and go, look, this isn't, this is somebody else's body with that face put on it. That's or right. It was is. this manipulated? Yeah. So yeah. Sure. I mean, because did the stuff that I saw during that deep fake thing, it's scary. It's just, it's like, wow, this is fucking cool for Hulu. Well, didn't they start that with um, Obama? Like Fast and Furious or something. I think on Fast and Furious, but did you see the Obama? I saw the Obama one. Yeah. Yeah. Fast and Furious, though, that dude died in the car wreck. Yeah, he died. That's yeah, right. and then his brother took over, and they just put his face on his brother for the movie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but yeah, I saw the Obama one. I was like, all right. Scary, man. Scary. So how did you get into all this? I mean, did you grow up, like, as a kid, like, hey, very artistic, and you just landed in an ad agency? Or did you yeah. know this is what you wanted to do? No, I didn't know it was what I wanted to do, dude. I had... I had no freaking clue. Um, I barely got out of high school. Uh, I, uh, it's funny because they didn't, they couldn't diagnose it then, but like I found out later, I have dyslexia. I'm definitely ADD. I've, I've, uh, my frontal lobe probably isn't developed the way it should be. And I, I, have a, I have a real hard time paying attention. And so I struggled all through school, especially in reading. I can't, I, it's like if, if teens are presenting to me, I need to talk. I just like I always say, just tell me a bedtime story. If I get scripts after scripts, like a doc with all words, I go into full on anxiety because I can't oh, it through it. And that's why for me, so that's in talking to a psychologist and because we work a lot with them and talking about like where my childhood and all of that. They said, well, that's why you became an art director, because you learned to cope with your inability to read and communicate by using pictures. Uh, it's very clear that because of your handicaps, you leaned more into visuals to do the work for you. And your, the, your understanding of visuals um, became a very important thing, whether you knew it or not. So I started drawing when I was young. My mom, my mom was very creative. But like most women in those, in those days, my dad um, fought in World War II. He came home. My mom was a hat designer. She worked in New York City. And then she gave up all of that and became a housewife and had kids, moved to Jersey, you know? Um, and I think that she used to take me in the backyard and set up an easel and we would paint. That's one of my first memories as a small, small little child. Like I must have been four uh, in the backyard with my mom. So I immediately started liking this, but you know, there's no, nobody's who's like, I draw cartoons. Who the fuck's going to hire you? I have, I have no idea. Yeah. So, so my parents, it got time in high school to like think, start thinking about college. And my older brother was an honor roll student. He was going to pharmacy school. Teachers that had him would say stuff to me like, what happened to you? Your brother was like so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Literally again. Wow. You know, time for therapy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it was just like, wow, I can't go to college because I can't even like I got a D in math, you know, I'm like, I can't do math. I don't understand it. I don't understand most of the stuff these people are trying to teach me, except history, history and geometry. So anyway, I start drawing and my parents are were super supportive. And I'm really, really lucky I had parents like this. Um, it was time to graduate from algebra geometry 
to take trigonometry and calculus oh, as, as a junior in high school. There's no fucking way I was doing that stuff. I cannot do it. And, and, um, and so I said to my parents, I can't, I'm not going to go to college. I want to go to an art school like in New York city. I'd like to go um, to somewhere, one of those art schools in New York, like Parsons or Pratt or like school of visual arts or something like that. Because I think that that's really the, all I can do. And um, so they said, okay. So uh, they went to my high school and they negotiated with my guidance counselor. He does not, he is not going to get into a college, a good college because of his grades. But he's like aces all the other, like all the other storytelling, like history and art, he's getting A's. And so he wants to go to art school. I actually thought too about architecture but the engineering involved and the numbers involved is yeah. not going to be able to do it. So would we, would you as a school give this kid a pass on algebra, I mean, trigonometry and calculus and advanced, like I forgot what studies it was in, and, and let him take three art classes versus one. So triple up his art class because to get into an art school, you need a really good portfolio. I mean, School of Visual Arts, it's 300 students got in out of like 4,000 at a plot. Oh, wow. So you need a portfolio. And the high school, thank God, the principal and my guidance counselor were cool. They said, sure, let's do that. So Dr. Gemignani, who, I don't know what she was a doctor in, but she was my art teacher. I ended up being a student teacher in the class. So I would end up teaching classes when I was in with my, you know, with kids in my class. Oh, wow. And she helped me put together a portfolio and I got into SVA. So I get to SVA as 1979 in New York City, which was fucking great because New York was so gross. And it was like violent. <laughs> like it was, dude, it was like terrible. And I loved it. And I was in class with Keith Herring and Basquiat had, had come and go. Betsy Johnson was there. Wow. And all of my teachers, there were no professors. All of your teachers, if you took an advertising class, my advertising class was Bill Urban and Chuck Schroeder. Well, they were doing the Miller Lite campaign. They, were, they would give up um, two hours out of the week to come and teach a class and then go back to McCann. Wow. My design teacher was Paula Scher, who was the head of CBS Records Design. Every one of my favorite albums was designed by Paula Scher. My illustration teacher was Marshall Arisman, who was doing four Time Magazine covers a year. So you, we were being taught by the professionals and they were, they were ruthless. Like you would get stuff thrown at you. So your class at the end of the year, first year, 50% of the kids dropped out. It was like uh, the Marines. It was like the boot camp. You'll never make it. Right. You'll never do anything. Not enough passion. I don't feel you in any of this work. Like you're just phoning it in and like, and like, you know, kids crying and it's like, we're just doing this because it's a rough business you're trying to get into and it's competitive as hell. And you better find some breakthrough in your work. You better find a way to stand out or nothing is going to happen to you. They were just, they were setting us up. Nothing has been as hard as SVA was in my career. So I'm like, I want to be a photographer. Um, so I took a year of photography and I was in the dark room and I loved it. I was like, nah, I don't know if I'm good enough. I love photography but I like photojournalistic photography. I don't like the whole studio setup thing. I don't like to arrange lights. I like to find things in nature or something that's happening. Like photojournalism would be rock. So um, then I took design, make a long story short. I touched on all of these different things. And then we had to pick fine arts or commercial art. And Keith Haring went fine art and he got scooped up by Warhol. And I went commercial art. And I got hired uh, the day we graduated by YNR. Ken Musta was one of my teachers, and he would they, they would they were using these people were using SBA as a farm system. So they would teach you. Wow. They would look for the best in the class, and they'd hire you. So I got hired the day we graduated, and I got into the business like right away. But if I went to a university, I would have smoked weed and gone skiing and like partied and been with girls and I would never done anything. And so if I didn't have that system, I would not be where I am today. And that's why I'm like such a fan of vocational education. I think universities are so full of shit and not everybody. I'm from an immigrant family and it's like, 
you're going to college. That's the yeah. American dream. So it's like, yeah, I'm second generation. And, and I think that American dream has been proliferated into, especially with immigrants coming into the country, you need to go to college. You need to go to American university uh, if you want to make something yourself. And I think it's bullshit. I don't think every kid should go to school. My daughter is a great photographer and she shoots everything over at Goop now. And I told her, you want to be a photographer and I, I'll, I'll be one parent who'll tell you, I don't think you should go to college. I'll get you, like, I can get you an internship with Mark Seliger or Frank Hockenfels or like you. It's like, I know some great photographers and you'll get their coffee for a year yeah. and you'll be paid and you'll learn in year two, you're going to start shooting some things and you're going to be starting to use equipment and learning things by year three you're probably going to get a couple of jobs on the side out of this. Mm -hmm. Year four, you've got produced work. And now kids coming out of college, you've already been earning money and making work and you didn't need college. She wanted to go to college. (laughs) (laughs) $250,000 a year country club. Um, Uh, Yeah. And that's really what it is. But I think if for like your brother needs to go to college, engineers, architects, doctors, they need to go to college. I hope you went to college if you're going to operate on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, for the creative fields, for photography, for writing, for uh, directing, for graphic design, you don't need college. Yeah. Well, I, you know? I told my dad, I was like, I don't want to go to school. I ended up going to college, but I was like, I don't want to. He said, what are you going to do? I said, I want to shoot pictures. And I was shooting mm-hmm. weddings for him at the time, and he had his own business, um, a wedding center where you did everything for your wedding. So they did videos, yeah. photography, cake dress all that stuff what a great business man they just keep coming oh yeah so i was like i'll do that and he was like no you can't help these brides change you got to go to school and I'm like and at the time all I was all i wanted to do was basically shoot rock bands yeah you know? but i was living in charlotte so i went to school and ended up getting a degree in advertising but the only classes that i really enjoyed were the, the actual like video and photography classes of course you know and i aced those and I did okay. And I did good in the advertising stuff. I did all right. And, you know, that kind of deal. But math and all that, I hated it. You know, I was taking yeah, the same you, class like three times. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's, a, good, it's, a, good, uh, it's a good business strategy university, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're making money hand over fist. And then they start whining. It's like my, my old client, uh, her husband ran the Harvard Alumni Fund. His yearly Christmas bonus was $20 million. His bonus? His bonus. Jesus. Was $20 million. Wow. I don't know what his salary was, but I'm like, that's how much money they have floating around in that thing. It's a business. Football. Oh, absolutely. Business. It's all a business. And we need your kids to fund our business. Uh-huh. And it's like, that's bullshit, man. That's why I and say then, every time somebody has to, talks about going to college, like my daughter's like, you know, the first two years, you could go to the community college and get that crap out of the way because that first two years is nothing but them making just them making money off of stuff you don't need. Oh yeah. And you buy your, buy, here's the books you need and here's our book center that you buy them from. And it's just like, Oh yeah. And like, again, I'm not, I'm, I'm anti-university. If you, for, for this, it's not the American dream because you know, what's happening. Student debt is ruining millions of people's lives forever you will be paying that down i've got nieces who are doctors who will be paying down their student debt for the rest of their life yeah like that's great they did it but damn this is like it's not right i i I just i'm a justice freak i just look at this and i say this is just this has just been another 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 thing sold to the american public that's not true yeah i'm i told my don't my oldest i was like you don't have to go to school but I told her, I was like, if you know what you want to do or have an idea of what you want to do, you don't have to go. Just go ahead and do an internship, figure out what you love and go and do it. But she wasn't sure. And my stepbrother never got a degree. He went for one year and then never went back. And I told her, I was like, he can't, he's having trouble finding a job because he doesn't have a degree. And if he does get one, he's, there are jobs where he's been told that he's never going to go past this level because he doesn't have a degree. So I'm like, yeah. So if you don't know what you want to do, go and at least get it, and yeah. you know, and, and you'll have it, and maybe you'll figure out what you want to do. But I've told her, I was like, if you know what you want to do, you don't 
and it doesn't require yeah. you to go to college, don't go. Yeah, it, it's really true. It's so true. Um, and that that there was something that was working about that ancient the, the apprenticeship uh, program from a long, 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 long time ago. Mm-hmm. It still holds true. I believe, you know what, and I got to jump, but there's yeah. one thing that I'm really interested in, if I can carve out the time to do it. And the concept is simple. It's like, well, Kobe Bryant went from high school to the pros. How many kids can go from high school to our business without having to go to college? I'm sure there are tons because it's like you have, you have promised as a graphic designer, let us put you into our design group. We're going to mentor you with a senior designer and, and like mom and dad are going to save you so much money and you're going to be paid right off. Google and Microsoft are doing something similar to that now. You don't need to go. Yeah. There's so many kids who don't need to go to college. Well, man, thank you. We'll have to do a part two because I still want to ask you about Little Sweet and David Blaine and all kinds Let's of stuff. Let's do it. Yeah, we could do it. Yeah. Let's so we'll set that up for you later. Got, you got Jamie's email now. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. All, all right. right. Cool, man. Cool. Sounds good. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. All right. It. Peace, bud. See ya. See ya.